Hey, Fit Coach Secrets listeners. Today, in part two of my two-part interview with Alex Klein and Alex Jatan of Ubindian Yoga Trail, you are going to learn how to grow your online Zoom yoga class attendance. So today's episode is perfect if you are a yoga teacher or any online class instructor. And whether you use Zoom or another online platform, we are going to talk about how to grow your attendance through, for example, old school marketing techniques that many are not focusing on but still work. You'll also learn how to take advantage of the quirky nature of yoga to be in demand by a specific group of followers. Also, there are benefits to an online yoga class or any class, so we're going to talk about how to lean into those. In addition, we'll talk about how yoga is growing worldwide and how you'll be able to tap into that no matter where you are. It's a great episode. Stay tuned. Fitness coaches, get more clients by learning the secret techniques successful trainers and gym owners are using to grow their business in person and online. This is the Fit Coach Secrets Podcast, and I'm your host, Christy Oshita. I've built two fitness businesses to about a half a million dollars each by improving marketing, sales, and operations. Let's grow your sales and your clients. Today's guests are Alex Klein and Alex Chaton, a husband and wife entrepreneurial team. Alex says they had very different professional backgrounds, but wanted to find a way to spend every waking moment together, end quote. I thought that was really romantic. So basically, entrepreneurship became their way of life. And in particular, they built startups focused on helping yoga instructors. In 2012, they founded Yoga Trails, an online yoga community of 80,000 plus people. And now their new venture is Ubindi, a platform for yoga instructors and really any online coach to manage class sign up. And it's pretty inexpensive. And for maintenance or, you know, maintaining your core group, what methods are you thinking? Are, are you mainly talking about just reminding them? Do you, are you talking about Facebook groups? Are you talking about email lists to maintain the connection and encouragement between classes? From what we can see, email is the way to talk to your people. A lot of people have left Facebook already. If you have a Facebook page or something and, and people might follow it, you post whatever you want. Nobody's going to see that unless you pay Facebook for, you know, paid promotions so facebook and social media are generally unreliable Mm -hmm. unless you have some instagram account where you have thousands of followers and then of course posting things on there makes sense but usually email is the most effective way to get into people's minds they'll Mm -hmm. open email they'll be like ah it's from my my instructor and then not overdoing it is important right so the days of social media where especially in yoga, people would post inspirational quotes and all kinds of weird stuff, thinking that they have to keep posting, keep posting for the algorithms to, to show their content and stuff. That is counterproductive. In our experience, if you just send an email once a week to students and say, hey, my schedule is up for this week, we're going to do something special, I don't know, you know, bring a, a block or something, and just stay top of mind in a not too crazy, intrusive way, email is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you kind of outlined a basic email, nothing too fancy, just mentioned the class schedule. Are, are you seeing that they have to do more than just here's a class, here's a time? I, I think it depends, first of all, on the type of group that you're teaching, right? So perhaps if you're teaching seniors or if you're teaching very busy people or it, 
and if this kind of discussion or this kind of interest doesn't come up in class, if if people don't ask you about this kind of stuff, then maybe don't don't send them. Uh, I don't know advices on how to meditate or something. But if it's something that students ask about and they're interested to have this conversation about, and I think it's perfectly okay to put that in the email and then just, especially at the beginning, not overdo it, but just put it out there and then just see how people react and just have it almost as a conversation with the students rather than announcements or the theme of the week or something. Yeah, I mean, yoga is very unique in this respect. There, there, there's such a variety. You have yoga teachers who are spiritual guides and life coaches, right? They, they may, might teach you how to stretch a little bit, but they do much, much more than just that. And then you have yoga teachers for whom teaching yoga is basically workout, right? Just work out, get sweaty, and their clients are like that, those kinds of people. So there's huge variety in terms of the personality. And that's, again, what I was talking about earlier. Teachers should find their niche and, and then go attract the kinds of students that they want to teach and the kind of stuff that they want to teach them. Yeah. If that's, you know, how to become a vegan and, and be healthy and meditate and do all this other stuff, awesome. But there are many other yoga teachers for whom, you know, it's a whole different kind of world. Yeah. But I think just being cognizant of who you're talking to and really making the content targeted to these people is really the best advice. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, again, what's great about the current times when you're independent and you're able to connect to the online world, which means, you know, 4 billion people that are connected to the internet, you can really find and, uh, and engage with the, the exact kind of person that you want to engage with and that you want to teach. And so you don't have to compromise and, and just sort of collect students at all costs because they're not going to stick anyway if they don't like how you're teaching and what you're telling them in your marketing and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely interesting because I think going into the idea of even yoga, we feel like, okay, yoga is the niche, but you're saying within yoga, you can have your own personality and niche, not just, and use that, not just to attract people. And that's how you stand out on social media, YouTube, but also how you keep your uh, students engaged through content specific to that specific niche. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. the variety in yoga is extreme and in, in fitness in general, you got, you know, people who are running marathons and doing crazy superhero stuff and lifting 300 pounds of weights and stuff like that. And then you have seniors, you know, who maybe are doing chair yoga or something. Yoga is extreme in this way. There are hundreds of yoga styles and, you know, a lot of them get into arguments with each other about, well, that's not yoga and this is not yoga. I have the true yoga and all that stuff. So yoga is kind of special. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I have a question about... (laughs) I, I could see that. And I think it's a, it's a good reminder that um, you don't, if you're a yoga teacher, that you, you, there's ways for you to stand out and then get to be more authentic to yourself. And that's okay. Yeah. For the video library, because you mentioned and I, uh, that it's an asset, and I do see that as an asset where, where instructors are, are building these video libraries. How do you see yoga instructors monetizing that? Are they they making it like certain monthly membership to gain unlimited access to the videos? Are they reselling it? What, what situations have you seen working with that? Yeah, all of the above. 
So Ubindi right now is for live classes and we're about to build another part of it that's gonna give students access to recorded classes. Mm -hmm. And it will be just like with live classes, probably cheaper, right? You don't get to ask questions in a recorded class and you can watch it anytime you want. So it's no big sacrifice for the teacher to let somebody watch a video. It's not like they have to, you know, be in front of the class and teach. But yeah, memberships, monthly unlimited access, that kind of stuff. We're going to do passes where, you know, you buy a pass for, I don't know, 10 classes and you can watch 10 videos. The same stuff as for live classes, but mm. a bit cheaper, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you see an overall, do you see everybody going online or, or is there just a general step back from fitness or yoga that you, that you might see with COVID? There's unfortunately some step back, as you say, you know, people are getting fat, out of shape, unhealthy. But for the most part, people eventually have figured out that they need to do something for their mm -hmm. well-being, for their wellness. And so the online thing, I would say roughly, this is sort of without too much evidence, I would say roughly half the people who were doing yoga or exercising in some way are still doing that in their living room and maybe outside in, in the park or something like that. The problem is this COVID thing, it's, it's forced the world to change, but that change is not gonna be rolled back. So it was already the case before COVID that everyone was putting their face into their phones all the time and more and more people were just doing things online. You know, that's the way the world is going. And that's hugely accelerated now and it's not gonna go back to the way things were. People, as I mentioned before, they like this convenience of taking a yoga class online and the teachers like teaching online from their home. And so even when COVID is long forgotten and nobody's wearing masks anymore and, and all of that is over, it's still gonna be the case that the brick and mortar businesses are gonna have a very hard time uh, attracting people into a physical space where they have to pay a lot of money just to be able to afford the overhead and the hardwood floors and the cleaning and the showers and all this stuff. So yeah, we see dark days ahead for the venues. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess for, you've probably, you guys have probably done a lot of research into understanding the signup process for maybe a new customer or someone who just saw maybe a, a video on YouTube and they, they, they're thinking about signing up for the class, but they've never met this person. So it's sort of a different like process, I think, because people are a little nervous, think, you know, who is this person? I'm going to join this Zoom class. What if everybody knows each other? Sort of similar, like a regular studio. Have you, what have have you guys uh, discovered in your process and trying to understand that sales process so that the yoga teacher, it's easy for them to get that person from an outsider to the, to, to a student? Like, what do you see as the process there that, that seems to work? Well, first I should preface what I'm going to say with, I think it's much easier now to get people to take a class with you because you don't have to awkwardly walk into a room and then be stuck for an hour or you can't leave. Like if you really don't like the class you're taking right now on Zoom, you just close your computer. Like that's it. You don't have to be ashamed walking out the door and that kind of stuff. It's much easier. And this is part of the reason why nude yoga is really a big thing now because people were kind of curious about naked yoga. It's, it's not for sex or anything. It's just really a, a yoga style. But the, the scariness of it when you're talking about in person, it's, 
hundred times bigger than if you do it online, <laughs> right. right? You can just kind of almost be anonymous. I mean, you can almost be like, well, at least they're not in front of me. And if I really just have some weird thing happen, I can just close the session. And so it's much easier to get people to sign up for a class. The short answer. Yeah. No, I think I think it's just people are like I think maybe a few months back it would have been like you know just all these interactions or Zoom on Zoom were maybe a little bit weird, newer, awkward. But I think now everybody's pretty much getting used to that stuff. You know, jump in a meeting for work with a whole bunch of people you've never met before, and so kind of the etiquette of the online meeting of the online class is there is already there so i think the teachers just have to find a way to get the students to to you know be interested enough to to think oh this is going to be a fun class because this is a fun teacher and then i think they'll they'll the step to actually giving it a try is not that big yeah i mean you can even turn off the camera right so you can take the class you can ask questions but you can also be like well People can't really see me. They can't see how bad I really am at doing yoga. <laughs> and it's less of a, of a commitment to show up for an online class. So. Well, yeah, I mean, like going to a, to a yoga class in a studio, I think probably was a more, more intimidated, ex intimidating experience for somebody who's new or is new to that particular teacher or that particular group. I, I imagine that online is less daunting. And... Mm -hmm as for how to do it. So Ubindi is, is a place where people, people can put their schedule and then people can sign up for classes. A lot of people are just putting their Ubindi schedule in, into the YouTube description and say, hey, take a live class with me. You know, various places you can do that stuff and just get people, if you have a website, you can have people maybe sign up uh, to a mailing list and then, you know, we can work on them to show up for a live class as you send out your newsletters or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the only thing else, the extra thing I'll say, and it's like, for example, on Ubindi, it just makes it very easy for the person who might be a potential new student to arrive because they'll just go to the page and they can register. So taking an online class with somebody shouldn't be like taking a private class with somebody. You shouldn't be, able, you shouldn't have to write them an email beforehand and ask them about their schedule. And that. So you know, just let people join, let them jump in. And then mm -hmm. don't make it difficult for them. Don't make them have to email you beforehand or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one thing we've probably noticed about fitness is, like you mentioned, with the community. So it's really a sort of, I think when we know we, we really have a student, when we really have the student who loves us is when we get that to that connection. So they didn't just take a class, but then they felt seen, they felt heard. So I'm curious, since that's a really important part of what made people come back to people's yoga classes, they probably spoke to the teacher a little bit after or something, but what have you seen afterwards that maybe yoga teachers do so that their, their, their sense of, oh, I saw you and hopefully that connection brings them back? This is another advantage when it comes to online teaching versus in-person yoga studio stuff. A lot of teachers are keeping people keeping the session open after class and then they talk and the students talk amongst themselves and stuff. In the studio, you can't do that if there's a class happening five minutes in the same room. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's actually, and of course they try to compensate 
for the fact that people are isolated and are just looking at each other through screens. Yeah, I mean, they some, try to do extra things to make that community. Right. Some of, some of the teachers say, like, at the end of class, everybody takes a five minute break, go make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or juice or whatever, and then just come back and have like more like a social time, everybody with a drink in hand and just chat. And I think that's really mm. nice. That is really nice. Oh, I like that a lot. Where have you seen the yoga teachers? Where are they? Are they all over the con- all over the world? Or are they more in certain areas of the world? Well, our users on Yoga Trail, it's an English website. So all the buttons and things are in English. So the US is roughly half of everyone is in the US, 12% in the UK, 11% in Canada, 9% in Australia. I don't know how I remember these numbers. <laughs> they, and the rest are just all over the world, but they're mm-hmm. mostly English speakers in the Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Yubindi too is Yubindi is similar right because for now, the main language of the platform is English since mm-hmm. we're quite new. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we're born to be like, well, we have some French speakers, some Spanish speakers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that would be, it would be hard to, teach in English and then if there's other if the students not in that language so that limits it I was just kind of curious if if you generally saw yoga being more popular also in certain areas or or do you think do you feel yoga is generally popular in most areas well it's been yoga popularity was huge in the U.S. 10 years ago mm-hmm. and then Europe kind of caught up around five years ago and then it it was the fastest growing health and fitness thing in Asia. Hmm. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago. We, we're not sure where this is going to go now um, with everything being online and yoga studios having a hard time. So we're not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But in the recent past, it's, it's a global phenomenon. In China, in 2009, there were nine yoga studios. And in 2016, there were 30 some thousand and millions and millions and millions of people were doing yoga. I think in 2016, there were more yoga students in China than in the United States. And that was kind of crazy when I learned about that. Yeah. Yeah. And back to yoga business models in personal training, lots of times where people, trainers can charge the, the bigger bucks is having a program. So it's, not just training sessions, it's really a guided program to achieve a goal, which is where the ad value usually is to lose weight. Do you see that happening for your, your yoga instructors? Anyone doing more programs and charging more? Yeah, people do like series of workshops, I guess, you know, so on a, spe- on a specific theme. So they'll just have like, it's four or five series of classes and they just call it a workshop and people will sign up for the whole course. For the whole course basically yeah. and and then they just get like, a membership that just is tied to that specific course or some teachers offer terms you know so you have to sign up for the whole term as well yeah i think that's, yeah. that's what for the most great. part i would say no but a lot of yeah teachers do that the ones mm-hmm. who have their their act together more will mm-hmm. offer these sort of structured programs that are more thought through and not just improvised you know oh another class okay let's do some yoga for sure, the more the more quality teachers and the more driven teachers will put more into preparing things and, and doing these sorts of things, for sure, mm-hmm. just like in fitness. Yeah. It's a great and, idea. And I have one more question about, in New York City, I had a tennis school, and we taught a lot of 
tennis to kids. That was a big thing. And there was a yoga company that focused on teaching yoga to kids. That was, I thought that was great. I was like, oh, it's such a great idea. It's easier than tennis. But it's just like, put that racket down before you hit someone. It's kind of hard. So I liked yoga. I was like, oh, I should do that instead. But I, have you seen um, people kind of doing yoga for kids as, or is that kind of too hard to do over? No, we have on, on Ubindi, we have some teachers that are teaching just the kids. Just the kids. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, of course, the whole like online stuff, I mean, the, the registrations and stuff goes through the parents because mm-hmm. of payments and security and things like that. And the same way that I guess the parents would take the kids to the yoga class if they were in the yeah, world. Yeah, with kids, there's always extra security things to watch out for. But yeah, but there's, there's yeah. people. But this again, is, it's niching down, right? If you're really good with kids and you have a, a special way of teaching yoga to kids, it's a great market to be in because lots of kids in some states are out of school. They're bouncing off the walls. <laughs> parents are trying to keep them not just busy, but also kind of healthy, maybe do some relaxing and mindfulness, you know, for kids kind of training and stuff. It's, it's mm-hmm. a huge thing and it's a great niche to be in. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, kids yoga is definitely a thing. Okay. But there's yoga really for- For anyone and anything. Anyone, all sorts of groups of people, age or levels of ability or just preferences. Yeah I, yeah, I spoke with a yoga teacher last week who does yoga for blind people, which is another thing that's only possible online, as weird as it sounds, because there are not that many blind people who are into yoga in a particular mm-hmm. town. But, you know, in the state or in the country or in the world, there are a lot of those people. And I don't know how, how they do it. I guess it's well, just, just audio. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but yeah, there's... Yeah. I like to do yoga classes with just audio as well. I'm not technically blind, but... <laughs> In terms of success, not just financially, but also as a person, if you're teaching something, if you're really passionate about it and it's really your thing, niching down and really finding your unique thing that you can offer uh, to students, that's the way to go. Um, You'll be more successful internally, externally, and and every other way. You'll have the energy to keep going and try harder and all that stuff. So definitely... If there's one thing I've said in this podcast is like niche, niche, yeah. niche. Great. Well, that brings me to my closing question. So if there was someone who was a yoga instructor and they wanted to get started teaching online, what would be the top two or three things you guys would suggest to them to get started so they could kind of see that it's a viable uh, way to make some money during this time? Hmm. I, I, was, I would say that people don't, don't make it into a big deal in your mind, first of all, because when you start something new, uh, you make it harder. The longer you wait, the harder it becomes. So jump right in and uh, start with a small group. Or even just one person. Or Or even just one or two people. And then just tell, maybe, you know, manage expectations of the people and tell them that you're you're, you're starting off with, with this new project. So they kind of know not to expect the most polished class or something. And then, don't think that everything has to be perfect from the get-go because you have to get used to this new technology. Your students have to get used to stuff. Encourage people to give you lots of feedback. So, you know, very honest feedback about what was working, what they didn't like. So you, you can kind of get better at that. But the number one tip is do it. Well, just, I, I, just do it. Like do it in a crappy little weird 
way. If you're not familiar with Zoom, you know, go on Zoom, make a free account and, and just teach a class, even if it's to your brother or mother or whoever, just jump in and do it. That's the number one thing that people are hesitant about. They think it has to be perfect. They have to have equipment. They have to you know, have a lot of people signing up and, and all that stuff before they give it a go. Yeah, no, just start small. Just do it. Yeah. And when you've done your first couple of classes, maybe with your friends or, you know, when you feel a little bit more comfortable with the technology, then start charging people for it. I would say because it's your time, it's it's your work. And so don't be shy to, you know, get paid for it basically. Yeah. I would agree. Number two is don't under don't sell yourself short. Like just because it's online doesn't mean it's that much worse than in person. It can even be better. Hmm. Depending on you know what it is exactly you're teaching and how you're teaching, don't sell it. like in yoga especially, but in life throughout the world we see a lot of people who are just not as confident as they really should be because they're awesome and they have wonderful things to offer that nobody else can actually offer to anyone else. Mm. Yeah, try not to sell yourself short. Yeah, Yeah, and if you're scared of the admin side of it, then check out Ubindi because (laughs) (laughs) it will help you. (laughs) Yeah. Number one, go to Ubindi. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I really like that. Uh, so listeners, if you're, you're not sure, you're scared, just do it and, 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 and charge, charge enough, as it sounds like. So it's sustainable for you and your students, really. And if people want to reach out to you or check out your services, you know, you guys have some cool businesses, how can they do that? Just go to ubindi.com. And that's where we hang out most of the time. Yeah, there's a chat on there. It's usually one of us on the other side. Yeah, so feel free to come say hello, ask us anything. Ubindi is free if you are have a small teaching business with 50 students or less. It doesn't cost anything for you to use Ubindi. And it can help you, know, you save a lot of time with admins. So it can handle all the stuff surrounding classes, registrations and payments and taking attendance and sending emails to students and that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of the boring things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, just click the chat button on there and that's where you're always happy to talk to people. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you guys have to check that out, listeners. Well, it's been great to have you guys. Really interesting to hear how people, the yoga industry is changing. So thanks so much for sharing your experience and knowledge, Alex and Alex. Thank you for having us. It was lovely. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, email me at christy at fitcoachsecrets.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y at fitcoachsecrets.com or on Facebook. Or if you're interested in private coaching, I am currently accepting one student. So make sure to shout out to me and I'll definitely hook you up. Finally, if you'd like to be on the show, definitely reach out to me because maybe we can set something up. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.